Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh God, we come before you right now, grateful for the many gifts that you have given to us. And Lord, we're so grateful that people are thankful to you and responding generously so that the work of Jesus Christ may continue through this church and into the world. Grateful for the ministry of scouting and for the many young people that have been blessed by that work to become the young men and women that you are creating them to become. And grateful for all the leaders and the volunteers uh, who enable uh, these scouts to become uh, the dream that you have created them to become. Now, God, we ask that you bless our time together. May the reading and the proclamation of your word bring joy to us and relieve us from all fear. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. We don't like the dark too much, do we? No, I mean, the lights have gone out. Imagine that. You know, in the dark, it's easier to be afraid, right? In the dark, we uh, stumble and we fall. In the dark, we can get more easily confused. In the dark, we become afraid. Imagine the darkness experienced by the people in Ukraine right now as uh, they see their nation being destroyed. Imagine the darkness of someone who has recently lost a loved one unexpectedly and is in deep grief. Imagine the darkness of someone who has gone into the examination room and heard a life-changing diagnosis. Imagine the darkness of a person who once lived a long and vibrant life and now is all alone in a nursing home. Imagine the darkness of despair, a depression. Imagine the darkness that's brought on by divorce and separation and abandonment. We don't like the dark, do we? It's like, in some ways, being dead. It's like being in a place David describes as Sheol, the place of darkness, the place of death. It's chaos. So what does God do in the midst of darkness and chaos? From the very beginning, from the beginning of time, God said, let there be light. Wow, tech team, you're great. <laughs> you not only do sound, you do audiovisual, I mean visual stuff. Let there be light. In today's scripture text, we talk about God not leaving us in the darkness, not abandoning us to the things of death that bring on fear and despair. Here now, the word of the Lord. In fact, I'm going to read it on the screen. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of death, the place in darkness, you are there. And then David jumps to these words. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously lift, them up, lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What in the world is that? Scripture texts have to do with light and with overcoming darkness. Well, don't go to sleep. Pay attention. 
because we're going to see how this all weaves together. I mean, David starts to use some pretty harsh words there, doesn't he? I mean, I hate them with a perfect hatred. I loathe those who loathe thee, who speak against thee. I don't, I'm sorry, jump into the King James. It's just old habit. You know, what is this all about? What's David talking about? Is he talking about his enemies? Is he talking about the people that he strives against, that these are enemies of God? That happens. People equate their enemies with God's enemies. Most every Monday morning, I listen to the podcast History This Week by the History Channel. Some of you all may may do that. You might be a history nerd. And this past week on January 30th was a podcast about the death of King Charles I in 1649. Now, some of you all might know that history. But Charles I was put to death by the followers of Oliver Cromwell, a very religious man, a Puritan. And Oliver Cromwell felt because that he was such a religious person and that he was such a godly person, his enemies were God's enemies. And so, therefore, the royalists and Charles I had to be enemies of God. And then later on, as Cromwell took over and founded the Commonwealth, he felt that anyone that opposed him had to be God's enemy, so that he was very bloodthirsty in putting down the rebellions in Ireland and in Scotland. Because, you see, he said, my enemies are God's enemies because I'm such a religious and pious person. And we see that happening all the time with religious fanaticism and, and all sorts of different faiths. And we see that even today in, in the struggle in Ukraine, the Russians are saying this, that the Ukrainians are enemies of God. They practice Satanism. They practice sorcery. They're, they're evil. So we are doing God's work in attacking this country. We see this all the time, don't we? That, well, they got to be enemies of God because, you know, I'm, I'm on God's side, so therefore anyone opposes me isn't of God. We've heard that. We see that. But is that what David is getting at in this psalm? Nowhere does he say that he's expressing opposition against any other nation. We don't hear him cursing the Philistines here in these words. In fact, when we think about the Philistines, look in the Amos chapter 9, where God calls the Philistines from the land of Kaphor and bringing them to their land. No, no. God isn't cursing the Philistines, and and David isn't speaking against them, equating them as his enemies. So what in the world is David talking about here? What is he saying that, I loathe them, I hate them with a perfect hatred? What's, What's David saying? Well, maybe he's expressing the frustration that God has with all forms of evil and all forms of darkness and all forms of things that oppress others. Maybe this is highlighted somewhat in a story that we have from the New Testament, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. Now, in John chapter 11, there's John 11.35, and that is every little kid in Bible school's favorite verse, because why? It's Jesus wept. So when the teacher said, do you have your Bible verse memorized so you can get a sticker? You'd walk up and say, Jesus wept, and you'd get your sticker, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we've all been there. If you've grown up in the church, we said, yes, I, I, I've, got my, I've got some scripture memorized. We know that, but right before the verse, we see that it says, Jesus was deeply troubled in spirit, 
And the word troubled for spirit in there isn't an expression of sadness. It's the same word in the Greek that is used for horses neighing and winning when they're frustrated and when they're angry. So Jesus is frustrated and angry within his spirit, expressing maybe what He's seeing there before him with his friend dying unexpectedly and all these people grieving and all these people upset and maybe looking down from a heavenly perspective because remember Jesus is both God and human. He's saying it, doesn't ha- it shouldn't have been this way. It didn't have to be this way. And he's frustrated that humanity is experiencing this brokenness and this sadness and this hurt. God didn't intend for us to experience. And maybe David is echoing those words when he is talking about, I loathe your enemies, O God. I hate with a perfect hatred those things that you hate, O God. I hate them and those that cause them. Ever been there? that you've been so hurt and so frustrated about something that's happened to you or somebody else that you have those words in your mouth, I hate this, what's going on with a perfect hatred. Tim, Timothy and Carol were some folks that were experiencing this. Uh, Timothy and Carol had a little boy, Tim, Timmy, and he was the apple of their eye. Uh, he was a, a boy that was gregarious and, and someone that was outgoing. Uh, little Timmy loved to draw. He, you know, he was a boy, you know, so he drew lots of dinosaurs. But he also would go and walk in, for, in the woods with his dad, Timothy, and, and there they would uh, see nature there in the be- beautiful central Alabama woods. And, and as uh, Timmy got older, they would hunt turkey and deer and Timmy would draw all these things. In fact, later on, he won some awards for his paintings of, of the great outdoors. He grew up in the church, was confirmed, became a part of the youth group. But as he got into high school, and he was then known as Tim, not Timmy. You know how your name sometimes changes. You get a little more mature. Uh, he, you know, began to uh, hang around some folks and uh, they began to do what sometimes high school students do. They got involved with some drinking. And then after a football game one night at a party, some pills were being passed around, and Tim took one. And the euphoria of that moment overtook him, robbing his body and his soul. And Tim began to go down a wayward path, loving that feeling that he got from those drugs more than school more than art, more than even being in the great outdoors. Soon he dropped out of school. He ended up living in a trailer in the backwoods with others who love meth more than life. Can you imagine the feeling of Timothy and Carol when they saw the precious boy who has so much promise having his life stolen from him, his beautiful smile now blackened, by the effects of drug abuse. How'd you feel if that was your boy? Well, magnify that by the number of people that have existed on this earth. You've got the feeling of what God feels 
as he looks down on the brokenness and the hurt and the fear and the despair of humanity. And everyone who has a heart as God's own heart has some of that feeling too. For remember what we say about David, what the Scripture tells us about David. What does it say? It says he had a heart after God's own heart. And therefore, when David sees the hurt and the brokenness, he sees evil triumphing, he sees people who are, who are robbing the poor and oppressing those who are in need, his heart is rended and it is mad. And he says, I loathe those sayings. And maybe it's David thinking about what happened in his own life with his own boy, Absalom. Remember Absalom, his son, his handsome, promising prince who rebelled against David and in that rebellion led an army to try to beat the forces of the kingdom. And David said, whatever happens, don't hurt my boy. And yet Absalom is killed. And in the midst of his grief, he says, he sings, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, that I would have died instead of thee. Absalom, my son. Maybe David, in his agony and in despair, is saying, I, in my, I loathe those who have done these things. Maybe you can see him there alone in his room, taking his great big sword and swinging it around in his anger and his frustration over what happened to his son and to his kingdom. Such are the thoughts of so many in this world when they see what's going on in the lives of those whom they love. Maybe some are thinking those thoughts right now in Ukraine about Vladimir Putin. Oh, I, I hate him. You've heard me say the prayer I have for him. Lord, change his heart or stop it, right? You know, I mean, we, 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 what do we do with such darkness? Well, express it. Remember the psalm series last year and last summer? Some of you shake your head. Yes, you do remember it, even if you don't remember it. You re- and remember the theme of the series was this, that you can honestly express everything to God. Everything. God does not want our p- pious platitudes and our prayers that sound so syrupy that aren't honest. God wants the honesty of who we are. Expressing things as David is expressing here. Expressing things like we read about in Psalm 69. May their loins tremble continually. That's quite a curse, isn't it? Because as we express an honesty, then God can work. God can work. And do what God does. Enter into those places that are like Sheol, like death, like, this, like darkness. And bring light. But that's what God does. We know that in sending Jesus Christ into the world, God came so that we might see light. See light. In the midst of whatever darkness we find ourselves in. Remember the story of Lazarus. Remember, there he was. Jesus, before death itself, and he said to Lazarus, come out, I am here. 
Come out. I am here. Come out. That's what Jesus does. He says, come out of the darkness, whatever is causing it. Come out of the despair, whatever is causing it. Come out. For I've come. Now, in John 3.19, Jesus says this. There are going to be some that aren't going to come out. They love that darkness more than they love the light. And yeah, there are some that are trapped in sinfulness and they don't want to come out of it. But there are some that let the darkness define who they are. They let the brokenness define them. They let the despair define them. They let their grief define them. Is it any wonder that Queen Victoria was called the Widow of Windsor many years after Prince Albert died because she wore black for the rest of her life? She let the death of her husband define who she was. She wouldn't come out into the light. But Jesus has come. Hating whatever is causing you darkness, whatever is entrapping you in what, what David calls Sheol, death, and calls you forth to come out into the light and experience his life. Well, Timothy and Carol, after many prayers and lots of tears, said, we can't let our boy stay where he was. So they drove into the backwoods of Alabama, and they went to this dilapidated trailer sitting in a yard, and you can imagine it. It was strewn with trash, with fast food wrappers and beer cans and a few 12-gauge shells, an old truck that had tires so slick that you felt you could skate on them. And they go up to this trailer that looked, like it was held together with rust and mold and the steps were old cinder blocks and the door was barely on the hinges. Timothy and Carol gulped, knocked on the door and they said, Tim, come out. We're here. Tim, come out. We're here. And the door swung open, and there was a boy, bedraggled, hair a mess, a scruffy beard on his face, skinny as a rail, with a shirt that was just clinging to his bones. And they held open their arms, and he fell into them and began the long journey from Sheol and darkness into light. Christ says the same to you. No matter what Sheol you find yourself in, He hates it and wants you to be liberated from it and to experience His life. And then, as you walk in that light, invites you to find others in darkness. 
and tell them to come out for God is here. No matter how deep the darkness, God is here. I invite you to step forward into the light of his love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.